0: Get your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, everybody. And we've been in a series of messages called I Heart My Church. I Heart My Church. And what we've said is, hey, the church is perfectly imperfect. And we can love the church, and we don't love the church because it's perfect, because the church can't be perfect, because we said the pastor's not perfect, and the people aren't perfect, and the staff's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. The only perfect one here is God, right? Um, But it is perfectly imperfect, and God loves the church, and God, church was, the church was God's idea, and we can love the church in its imperfections, and we love the church, and here's really why we love the church, because it's God's plan. And it's God's plan for us, and and it facilitates God's plan in the earth. This is why we love church, that the way God moves is through the church, and the church is actually the hope of the world. Did you know that? Like, we're, we're the hope. Like, you're who we've been hoping for, right? I mean, so we love the church because God loves the church. We don't love it because it's perfect. We've all got church stories, right? How many have got some church stories? Yes, we all have. I have church stories. You have stories about pastors. I have stories about pastors. You have stories about pastors. I have stories about sheep. You know what I mean? You have stories about shepherd. I have stories, you know, because I understand. I've been in a church where the pastor had, you know, the Bible says that shepherds always had a shepherd's staff, and I've been in churches where I felt like the the shepherd beat us with that staff a lot, right? I've been in that church, right? I've also been a pastor in a church where sheep, bite you. You know what I mean? And, and unfortunately their teeth aren't sharp enough to kill you. So they just gnaw you to death. You know what I mean? And so I've, I've, I've experienced all of that and you've experienced all of that. And, 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 that's, and, and I don't want to make light if you've been hurt or whatever. I'm so sorry. I don't want to make light of that at all. But what I want you to understand is you can have a bad experience, but that doesn't mean that it's still not God's plan. And that doesn't mean that God's still not going to use it. And it doesn't mean that God's going to change his idea about how he feels about church. And church is God's plan. And so we love the church. God loves the church. And it is perfectly imperfect. And we've been talking about that. And we were talking about, well, what is God's vision? And what is God's mission? And so we're going to read it here in Genesis 126. But we said God's vision for when he made earth, he didn't just make a planet and think, What am I going to do with it? You know what I mean? It wasn't that kind of thing. Like um, God made the planet because the planet was something God wanted to make because of the purpose that he had. It facilitated the purpose. And what we said is, if you study the Bible, and this is a lot, I've done series teaching on this, but God's plan essentially was to build a physical planet that would emulate, resemble, reflect his spiritual kingdom. That, That was God's vision is to expand his rule, his dominion, his reign, which was spiritual, the king of God's spiritual. But he wanted to extend it, that rule, over a physical planet. And so he made a planet. And in order to facilitate the expansion of his rule over the earth, he made man which is why we're made, which is what we're talking about, which is how we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Most of the time, churches, and we do too, we definitely believe in the Great Commission. Churches talk a lot about the Great Commission. I want to show you what I call the First Commission. That's what we've been talking about every week, the First Commission. In other words, when, when God made man, what was that all about? What was he doing? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And I said this in week two, but it is good. It's a promise of scripture right there. You can underline it. Genesis 126 gives you authority over creeps. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that. But here is God wants a physical planet to reflect a spiritual kingdom. And in order to accomplish that, he makes man. He says, let us make man. And a lot of times people come to church and they're like, hey, what are we doing here? What are we doing at church? Sometimes like, well, what are we supposed to be doing at church? Well, we're supposed to sing at church and clap sometimes at church. And we're supposed to listen to the pastor talk at church. And, you know, there's things we, but but truthfully, church is trying to facilitate Genesis 126. And so we, we, we took this verse and we gave four B words in this verse that is God's heart for all of us. But it's also what the church helps us do. Let me show you what those are. We've talked about them, but it says, and then God said, let us make man, and we said to believe in us. Let us make man to believe in us according to our likeness to belong to us. Um, Oh, sorry. Let us make man to believe in us in our image to belong to us according to our likeness to become like us and let them have dominion to build like us. So let me say it again. Let us make man believing in our image, belonging, according to our likeness, becoming, and let them have dominion, building. And we said, this is actually God's plan for every person. This is God's plan for you. To this, you were made. To this, you were called. This is what God wants us all doing. And so we said, when when we decided to say, what is the mission of Pathway Church? We said, well, we want our mission to be what God's mission is. So the mission of Pathway Church is to help everyone believe in Jesus belong to a family, become a disciple and build God's kingdom. And then we went further because we want to tell you how we do that. Like at the core of those ideas, how do we do believing, belonging, becoming and building? Well, we said believing is, is worship experiences, that's where we, we exercise our faith. That's where our faith is strengthened and built up and we're encouraged and we believe. Also, when we come together and we hear the word of God, sometimes we learn things about God we didn't know before and we have a new way to believe God that we didn't even know we could trust God in that way before, but now we can believe. So we're believing and continuing to believe and we do those in worship experiences and that can be prayer experiences, weekend experiences, student experiences, kids experiences. That's where we come and we believe God and we continue to to believe God, we grow in our faith, right? That that's that's how we do it. Belonging, we said, life groups, like life happens in a group. You need your people. When Jesus wanted to step into His purpose, He started a life group, Amen. right? And so we said belonging. That's where we belong. It's where we connect. This it's hard to hard to know people on a weekend because we're in and out and there's multiple services. But in in our life groups, that's where we get connected. And then we said becoming. This is a process. We talked about this last week. This is a process of being conformed to the image of God. And we said that takes steps of faith, and we call them next steps. But it's a continual process of becoming a disciple and following the teachings of Jesus and following the way of Jesus. And then this week we want to talk about building. Building. Um, I call this message Made for This. Made for This. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we are here in your presence. God, it's not just that we've gathered, there's a lot of gatherings. What is so significant about this gathering is this is a gathering with you in your presence. Don't let us miss you. Speak to our hearts. Help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So God made Adam to believe in him, belong to him, become like him, and build. God is a builder. In fact, that's how the whole Bible opens up. God is a builder. In the beginning, God created right? God built all creation. Then we just read verse 126. Then God built man. He said, let us make man. And he took dirt, the Bible says, and he took his breath and he built man. God is a builder. And God created us to build because the creator is ultimately a builder. He created us to build and he called us to build his kingdom. That's really why we're here. We're not actually here just waiting to die. Like I remember growing up, you know, as a kid, you catch what you can catch. But but I didn't always understand what we did after we got saved. Like I knew we loved God and I knew we came to church. Like I knew that's what Christians do, right? We get saved and we get in the church and we come to church and and we sing, and we say amen. You know, like I know that's what we're supposed to do, but I never really understood that, yes, that's a very necessary part. We're gonna talk about that part. But the truth of the matter is, the goal of God wasn't just to, to, to get us saved. The goal of God was that his kingdom would come to the earth, and we were called to facilitate the expansion of his kingdom on the earth. That's the purpose that we have. And so we are called, just like Adam, to build the kingdom of God. So then the question is, well, how do you build the kingdom of God? I'm so glad you asked. That'll make it less awkward when I tell you. So let me give you three ways we build the kingdom of God. I'm not saying there are obviously more. To me, these are the big three. Three ways we build the kingdom of God. Number one, praying. I'm talking about building. Number one, praying. We were made for this. Praying. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, it's where we have what we typically call the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's not actually Jesus' prayer, It's more a teaching or explanation of prayer. It's a model of how to pray, if you will. We know it's not Jesus' actual prayer because it has the confession of sin and Jesus never sinned. Jesus' actual prayer, where he actually prayed for you and for me, is in John 17. This, though, is Jesus' teaching on prayer or explanation of prayer in response to his disciples saying, "'Lord, would you teach us to pray?' By the way, they were with Jesus about three years during his ministry. They saw countless miracles. They saw him walk on water. They saw him change water into wine. They saw him cast out demons and heal blind people and heal lame people and raise the dead. And yet the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them is how to pray. Now, maybe I wouldn't have been that smart. Like right after the wedding in Cana, I'd been like, Jesus, that was cool. Show me how to do the water and the wine thing. I will get invited to every wedding. <laughs> Marty's here, party's here. You know, what I mean, it's like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's pretty cool. Or like, Lord, teach me to walk on water. I will never need a bass boat. I can just go right out to where the fish are. Like those are some cool things to learn from Jesus teach me to heal, teach me to, to cleanse the leper. No, they said, teach me to pray. I think they understood that everything they saw Jesus did correlated with the time he spent in prayer. I think they would watch him as the Bible says many times Jesus would draw away or he would, he would go away or before the breaking of day he would go to the garden or he would go to a place, a solitary place and he would pray and I think they were catching on that man, Jesus goes away and prays and that must be where, where all this stuff, that, that must be the secret sauce of all the stuff and I think they they understood that and so when Jesus says teach us or when, when 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 they're talking and the disciples say, teach us to pray, Jesus says, okay, let me give you a model. Let me give you an outline of prayer. And I think that's really, it, this to me is a great prayer outline. You can pray through it. There's books that have been written on that. But but he says, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. Now, every, almost every word of this is rich in significance and meaning. Because they had never prayed to Father before. They'd always prayed to God. But he said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And he says this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't this interesting? It's like the first thing after we've connected to God through relationship and we've worshiped God, our Father, you know, who art in heaven, holy is your name, and then it starts. This is where the petition starts. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You need to understand when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus wasn't just, well, let me give you something to do. Like, you probably need some busy work, you know, a, a, good, a, a good custom of prayer, a ritual of prayer. That's probably what you need, a form of prayer. No, that, that's not what he was doing. Because what we know is that from Jesus' standpoint, he believed prayer was very effective. And so he wasn't just saying, you know, prayer's not really going to matter. It's not going to change that much. But let me give you a model. You can kind of recite it at weddings and things. You can even make it into a song and sing it at weddings. No, no, he's saying, hey, you finally caught on to something. Let me help you be effective. The first thing you need to pray is that the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done. Now, if God is God, why does he need me to pray that? Because he is all powerful. Right? Doesn't that make sense? Like God just do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't, he doesn't need me to pray for his will to come to earth. He doesn't need to pray me to pray for his kingdom to come to earth because he's God. he can just do. here's the thing you need to understand about God. It's actually not true. It's actually not true. God is all-powerful but God is also principled. And God when he created man in Genesis 126 established a principle that he would not work independent of man in the earth. He gave Adam the authority to build. He said, you go be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and take dominion. In other words, you have the authority to build the kingdom on earth, and I will not build around you or outside you or without you. So when Jesus says, you pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what Jesus is saying. There are things that are the will of God that will not happen if you don't pray. You want proof? Is it God's will that anyone should perish and go to hell? Is that God's will? No. And you know why we know that? Because Peter said this one. He is not willing. God is not willing, willing that anyone should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now, is that the Bible? Yes. But have people perished and not come to repentance? Is it because God isn't powerful? No, it's because God's principle. And here's what you need to understand. It is actually us and not God that determines who comes to repentance. He has given us The ministry of reconciliation, the administration of reconciling people to God has fallen to us. And while he draws and he calls, he's given us the ministry to to compel and implore people saying, Paul said it this way, be reconciled to God. So God has limited even who comes to salvation based on the activity of his church. Paul said, How can they come to know me unless they hear the gospel? How can they hear the gospel unless someone's sent to preach it? How can they come to know God unless they respond to someone sharing the faith? Isn't that incredible? And so when Jesus is talking about prayer, what we need to understand in principle is God gave man authority on the earth and God created man to build on the earth and God won't do it without us. Not because he can't, he can, but because he set a principle and said, no, when it comes to my activity on the earth, let us make man to believe and belong, to become and to build. You can't find a place in Scripture where God moved independent of someone's prayer or someone's obedience. Any miracle you see, any working of God you see, I've tried it. Go all the way through the scripture, and you'll find there was somebody who prayed, or somebody who was obedient, or somebody who did something, and God worked with them. That's why Paul said, We are workers together. We're co laborers, one version said, another version says, we are workers together with God. This is how God works. So what we need to understand when it comes to praying, listen, when it comes to praying, there are things that are the will of God that will not happen if we don't pray. And that's why he said, I want you to pray your kingdom come. The way God's kingdom comes, we pray. The way his will is done, we pray. That's why we gather on Mondays at six o'clock. We gather on Mondays at six o'clock to pray because what we know as a church there are things that are not going to happen if we don't pray. There are things we are not going to see if we don't pray. There's things that God has purposed in his heart that are his will that will not happen if we don't pray. Someone told me the other day said, you know, Pastor, Mondays are hard. I said, I know. I know. I have Mondays too. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. And I have all the compassion in the world for that. I do. But I know there's things that aren't going to happen unless we pray. And we've seen incredible things. We've seen miracles. We've seen people healed. We've seen families restored. We've seen people saved. We've seen wonderful things. You know what happened? Because somebody prayed. I think in our lives we should have a a list of things we pray for. And let me tell you one of the secrets I, I think is a secret. I don't think I learned this. I probably heard it somewhere but just in case I didn't, I'm going to take credit for it today. (laughs) But I pray for things that may happen if God doesn't even intervene. In other words, they're just things that they're kind of, it could happen. I don't know, but I'm going to pray about it. And then when it happens, since I prayed about it, God gets the glory right? But they're small things. They're not critical things, not life and death things. Then there's a bigger category of things where it's like, yeah, these are, these are not highly critical things, but they're things that, you know, I wish or desire and I want to pray for. Then we start getting into the things like, no, th- these are things we definitely need to pray about. And then there are these things are impossible if God doesn't move, right? There's those four categories. And I think you should have things in those categories all the time. And the reason is because when something moves on the bottom of that list, you give glory to God and it gives you faith for the big thing. Because sometimes we only pray about the big things and we wait until there's a mountain that has to be moved and we try to have faith. Sometimes we need to move a rock first, (laughs) right? We can move a rock, we can move a mountain. In fact, sometimes you move a mountain, a a rock at a time. I mean, just this last week, it was on Monday and there was a situation that to really to no one else was, it wasn't critical. It, it wasn't a big mountain. Of, it was just a little thing and really it was just something I wanted. And I was praying and I'd been asking the Lord, and I do this a lot, teach me about prayer. Give me a revelation of prayer. Help me to understand prayer. And, and I was praying and I said, Lord, about this situation, could you do this? Like it, 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 in the big scheme of the world, it, it wouldn't matter much to anybody else, but to me it would. Could, could you just do this? And you know what? God did it. Took him about two days and he figured it out for me. You understand what I'm saying? And you know what it did in my heart? I said, oh man, now for these bigger things, oh, I've got faith now. I'm gonna pray about these now. Some of these impossible things. Because I watched God do something so small and he did it so simply. It's just like he said, okay and that was it. It was amazing. But here's what we need to understand. Praying is how we build the kingdom, and there are things that are not going to happen if we don't pray. This is why God has called us to prayer. Here's the second thing. Serving. Serving. This is the way we build the kingdom. Look what the Bible says. one of the craziest verses to me. I mean, in a good way, but Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he could have claimed equality with God. That's what it's saying. But he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant. In the Bible, there's slaves and there's servants. A bond servant is a slave that's free but chooses to remain. It's a servant that's been freed but chooses by their own volition to remain. In other words, no one is forcing them to serve, they are choosing. Does that make sense? And it says, "This is the form, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men." It's talking about Jesus. Now let me ask you some questions. I know you're like, "There's going to be a test, yes," but I'm going to walk you through it, and you can't fail. Do, do you do you think do you think that obviously God wants His kingdom built on the earth? right by the way do you see how jesus was a servant but it said he came in the likeness of man do you understand jesus was showing us what happens when a man partners with god on the earth do you see that that's why jesus prayed he had to pray your kingdom come your will be done just like he he told us to pray why would he tell us to pray something he didn't pray he he was he was our example right came in for a man but but do you do you obviously god wants to build his kingdom right do you think God's pretty smart, right? Do you know God has never learned anything, right? You can't be all-knowing if someone can teach you something, right? The problem we have is some of us know some people, unfortunately, that think they're all-knowing, therefore we can't teach them anything, right? But don't you think, you know, so God's smart and, and do you know nothing's ever occurred to God? He's never had an epiphany, He's never had a revelation. He's never had an aha moment because he knows everything. It's incredibly smart. That's an understatement, right? So so here is our God who knows everything and, and is the most intelligent being in the universe. That's at least one way to categorize it. And he wants to build his kingdom on the earth and he's got to work through man. So he sends his son in the likeness of man. But he is looking for the most effective and the most efficient way to build his kingdom. Wouldn't that make sense if you're God? Like, he doesn't want to waste time. He doesn't want to waste energy, right? So he's like, well, I've got to partner with a man, because that's principle, and I've got to build my kingdom on the earth, so I'll send my son in the form of man or in the likeness of man, but I need to send him in the most efficient and effective form to building the kingdom. And so he didn't send him. well, I could send him as a king. Nope, that's not the most effective. As a, as a world leader, nope, that's not the, as a doctor or as a, as a surgeon or as a lawyer or as a teacher. I could even send him as a preacher. I could send him as a politician. Lord, no. What's the most effective form? If I want to build the kingdom and I want man to build the kingdom, what's the most effective form? I'll send him in the form of a servant. The most effective form you can take to build the kingdom is serving. In fact, every person that comes into the kingdom is served into the kingdom. Like in all the years of Pathway, we've seen hundreds of people baptized, Literally hundreds and hundreds of people except Christ, they were all served. Someone invited them. Someone welcomed them. Someone gave them coffee in the name of a prophet, and you'll receive a prophet's reward. Come on, give Starbucks in the name. I'm just kidding. Anyways, just give a cup of cold water. But Come on, pay attention, people. <laughs> someone helped them check their children in. Someone ministered to their children so they could sit in here. Someone led them in worship, put words on screens. I mean, they were served into the kingdom, every person. sir, That's how you got into the kingdom. You were served in the kingdom. That's why John 13, Jesus, in the form of a servant, if you will, with his followers in the Last Supper, the night that he was betrayed, he starts the Last Supper by taking off his robe and putting on a towel and taking the form of a servant and washing their feet. And here's what he's saying. I'm showing you what New Testament ministry looks like. Like this is it. This is it's what New Testament ministry looks like. It looks like serving. It's what we're called to do. When we serve, when we love others, when we serve others inside the church and outside. That's why we do, that's why we have a serve team. We don't actually have a serve team because we just want to make people do things. Because we're bored. And we're like, you know what we can make them do? <laughs> we can make them run around with cameras and take pictures. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? You know what we can make them do? We can make them serve coffee. No. The reason we do those things is because that's the most effective form building in the kingdom. And you learn that at church and then you take it outside. Like for the New Testament church, it's a foreign concept to be a Christian and not be serving. And there are people who say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, pastor. I just don't feel called to serve give me your phone number, (laughs) I will call you, right? People say, I just don't feel led. Get a fishing weight, put it in your pocket. Every time you reach for your keys, you'll feel led. (laughs) Sometimes we wait on some kind of feeling or some kind of calling for things God's already made very clear, right? And, and and so when we serve, look, you'll never be more like Jesus took the form of a servant. You will never look more like Jesus than when you serve. Do you know that? You'll never look more like Jesus than when you serve, because that's the that's the form he took. And, and we need to understand that if serving is below us, the kingdom is beyond us. Right? Because this is how we build the kingdom. Praying, serving. Now here's the last one. I'm going to tell you. I know today's message is a little bit like broccoli. Like everybody likes ice cream Sundays. Everybody likes chocolate and peanut butter. And I love to preach those messages about the grace of God. Oh, I do. And about how God loves everybody. And we're all going to make it. I believe those things. But you know, you just can't live on ice cream all the time. Sometimes you need some greens. And I know today's message is kind of like, Lord, Pastor, you're talking about, you know, praying and I struggle with prayer. Serving, I struggle with serving. And now point three is going to get worse. (laughs) I'm just going to warn you. But here's what I'm going to say. If you'll stay with me, I'm going to end on ice cream. Okay? If you can make it to the end of point three, we're going to get ice cream together. Okay? Point number three, giving. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, There's a guest right now saying, you invited me to this church today? (laughs) Yes, Martha, we did. Or Karen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Amen, Rebecca. Um, Yes, we did. Giving. You know, it is how we build the kingdom. I'm going to show you how it is. But, but when I was thinking about this, I said, God, you know, I know you want me to talk about this. And giving sometimes too hard to talk about in church. There are people get excited about giving. There are people who don't get excited about giving. There are people that have maybe had bad experiences that I certainly understand. There's been abuses. Anything God has given us has been abused, right? And, and do you understand God gave us giving? He did. I'm going to read some scriptures, but it's God's idea. And he gave it to us and he intended great things, but it has been abused and people have been turned off. And I understand. I just want to remind you before I talk about giving, you're in a church that's never taken an offering. So before the enemy jumps on your shoulder and says, he's just after your money. If you've never given any money to this church and you never give any money to this church, I want you to know you're welcome here. Right? And you're not a second-class citizen because we don't go through checking giving to decide who we're going to get better treatment to or whatever because we read the book of James and we understand that really hurts God's feelings. So, so you're safe. Also know, no one's ever been mugged here. <clears throat> so you're safe. And let me give you a church secret. You may be sitting there thinking, I don't like giving. I don't think a pastor should talk about giving. Let me help you. Instead of getting all mean mugged, smile and nod with everyone else, and everyone will think you're a giver. <laughs> this is how you make it through, people. Just trying to help you, okay? But I was thinking about giving and all the things I could tell, and I just thought, you know, I, I just thought some, I always think in questions, it's usually how I get the points of the messages but I said, well, God, why do we give? And here's the first thing that came to my mind. All right, so if you're sitting here saying, well, why do we give? Like maybe I've never been taught, maybe I don't understand, whatever the case may be. Why do we give? Ready? You ready for this? Because God said. Amen. I don't, you know, I, just as simply as I could put it. Now, I, I, I'm going to get a little deeper than that. But just to start the conversation, because I knew it'd be a hard crowd. <laughs> just kidding. Why do we give? We give because, um, because God said. Let me read a few verses. By the way, there are hundreds of verses. Jesus actually spoke more about uh, money and possessions than many of the topics we love, and including love and faith. Like, he talked more about money and possessions um, because it's something we all understand, I think. And he was always making a point. And I still think it's something that's tied to our hearts, et cetera. But let me give you Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the fruits of all your increase. And the greatest man that ever lived, Solomon, this is what he wrote, honor the Lord. This is one thing I've learned, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase. First fruits um, typically refer to what we call the tithe. Some people don't know what a tithe is because I've been asked, what is a tithe? According to the Bible, a tithe is the first 10% of, of what you're given or what you're entrusted with. In other words, if you, if you went to work and you got paid this week and they paid you $1,000, the tithe is the first $100. That's what a tithe is right? I didn't make up what a tithe is. I didn't write the Bible. And we're all glad because that'd be a mess, (laughs) right? Because I'd put some things in there that's not in there. And I'd be tempted to take some things out that I don't particularly like myself. You know what I'm saying? So honor the Lord with your possessions. Malachi 3. Now I know because I've done this a long time, people say, well, pastor, these are Old Testament verses. Isn't it funny we have no problem claiming the blessings of Old Testament verses. We just have a problem with being obedient to the things in the Old Testament we don't like. <laughs> I just want to say I love you, and I'm your friend. It says, will a man write... And by the way, God is God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And He doesn't change... By the way, God didn't change His standard in the New Testament. He changed how it was met. It was met by grace and not by the work of flesh. But he didn't change the standard. So, anyways, let me, I just, you know, trying to help people. Will a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. And you say, in what way have we robbed you? By the way, I don't have time to teach this. I'm going to try to go a little faster. When God's saying you've robbed me, it, I, I've read it, I've studied it. Here's what I honestly believe. He's saying, You've robbed me of being able to bless you the way I want to bless you. That's what he's really saying. Because God, God doesn't actually need our money. He, you know, sewer pipes are made of gold up there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, He doesn't need our money. But, what, but He does want to bless us because He's a loving God. He's a good Father. So He said, You've robbed me. And he said, In what way? Well, not tithe and offering. And then look at this. He said, You're cursed with a curse. What the Bible teaches is the first is the Lord's. And when you keep what is the Lord's, it curses the rest. When you give what is the Lord's, it blesses the rest. That's, that's why the tithe is so important. That's why he's saying, you're cursed because you kept the tithe. But if you'd give the tithe, you, then you wouldn't be robbing me of an opportunity to bless you. And so he says, what's the remedy then? We'll bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says, try me with this, says the Lord. If you'll not open the windows of heaven, pour out blessings, there's not room enough to receive. So here's what he says. Look, I, I want to bless you, but you've robbed me and you're under a curse. Here's how we fix it. You bring the tithe, right, that there'll be food in my house. And then I'll open the winds of heaven and pour out blessings you don't have room enough to receive. Right? This is what he's saying. And, and let me just say this because it needs to be said. Because one of the things you hear is, Pastor, well, tithing was under the law. It's actually incorrect. Tithing was ratified by the law. Tithing started well before the law. In fact, if you want to just get down to it, uh, God was the first tither and he tithed before anything was created. Because the tithe is the first part that is given to redeem the rest. Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. God gave the first and the best to redeem the rest before he even created anything. So so, so the tithe goes way back to Infinity. Which was just a few years before the law. That was sarcasm. Remember, smile and nod, and everybody thinks you know this. Okay, don't don't be like, oh, what? And just oh, amen. bless you, pastor, my man. Right? Come on now. All right. And by the way, Abraham tithes, and I uh, the, the number escapes me, but it's like, see, the the tithe was in the law, so that was like around fifteen hundred. Abraham's, what, like 900? So it's like 400 years before the law, Abraham tithes, uh, and then Isaac tithed, and then Jacob tithed, and then we get, finally get work on our way to Moses and then the law. Sometimes, I, I think it's a great study if you understand, you have an Old Testament and a New Testament, but those don't actually correlate exactly to Old Covenant and New Covenant. They're not interchangeable. What I mean by this, your Old Testament Stops after Malachi. Then there's like 400 silent years and you have some other writings in there, but they were not canonized like the Apocryphal and the Maccabees and all that. And then you get to Matthew, right? But Matthew is still Old old Covenant, even though it's New Testament because the Old Covenant continues until the cross, right? So John the Baptist was actually the last Old Covenant prophet. Are you with me? The reason that's important because you need to understand what things stop at the cross, what things start at the cross, and what things carry through the cross. Um, For instance, Davidic worship carries through the cross. We see it old covenant, we see it new covenant animal sacrifice stops at the cross, right? In fact, when Jesus was crucified, it was Passover and they were bringing, the Jews were bringing their lambs to Jerusalem to be slaughtered, right? So it was still going on, but at the cross, he was our lamb who was slain for the sin of the world. Are you with me? So animal, that's why you didn't bring a bull or a goat or a turtle dove today (laughs) or a partridge in a pear tree, right? Right? And then you need, so you got to understand like what, what, and then what starts at the cross? Well, justification by faith starts at the cross because now we're under grace and not under law. It's, it's, it's changed. So animal fa- sacrifice stops, justification by faith starts. Davidic worship comes and passes through. It's ratified by the cross. Well, tithing and giving are actually ratified by the cross. They pass through. It's not stopped because it was considered law. And and we know that because we even see it in the New Testament, right? Because people say, well, Jesus never talked about tithing. Well, he talked a lot about money and possessions um, because what Jesus believed is is actually goes back to the book of Psalm that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that everything that we have is actually God's, right? People say, well, you know, I believe in grace giving, you know, which is to say I just give what I want when I want. Well, I think it's wonderful for you, but grace giving in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, let me show you grace giving, it says, and they brought all their possessions and laid them at the disciples' feet. Grace giving says it's all God's, right? So, <laughs> Matthew 23, 23, this is what Jesus says. What sorrows awaits you is talking to the religious people, with religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. In other words, you're tithing all the way down to your paprika, but he said, you're ignoring the, important, the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then look what this says. This is in your Bible. It's in my Bible. It's right here. It says, you should tithe. Yes. But don't neglect the more important things. So this is Jesus. And people are saying, well, this, Jesus didn't say we should tithe. That's right there. He said we should tithe. But, but he said, don't legalistically tithe and then go out and be mean and not love people. Like this is a part of our life in worship. Like, in other words, tithing doesn't give me an excuse to not love people or serve or do, you know, or, or live for God. Like tithing's an expression of my worship, right? It doesn't, it doesn't clear me. And, and essentially with the religious people, he's saying just because you tithe doesn't mean you can be a jerk. That's what he was actually saying. That's I mean. Kind of. I'm going to put that twist on it. Let's not give Jesus for credit, credit for that. But that's kind of the way I read it. Okay. And so, so you need to understand, so Jesus said you, you should tithe. This is, you know, this is Jesus. This is his teaching. Hebrews 7, after the resurrection, after the cross, most of Hebrews 7 is about the tithe. And it says that here we give the tithe and there he receives it. And it is a testimony that Jesus is alive. Like, like it's the teaching. I, I just want to point that out, and there's a lot that can be said about all that, but I want you to understand it was all God's idea. Giving and tithing is God's idea. Just nod and say yes, amen. Everybody think you do it, right? And and here's why we give, because giving changes us. It transforms our heart. You can see this in Deuteronomy. There's a correlation in Deuteronomy uh, between, tithing, uh, between tithing or giving and our heart. But Jesus said it this way, wherever you're Treasure is, there your heart will be also. It didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, your heart will be. Do you know why we want to put our treasure in the kingdom of God? Because it's where we want our heart. Right? We want our heart to be transformed. Like when when we give, it it changes us. When we give, uh, Malachi said to us, we'll give and that there be food. King James says meat but food in the house of God. It's another reason we give. We give because it does ministry when we give. Like every month here, or every, really every day, but every month, every day, we do ministry here. And it's because people give. Think about this. If no one gave right now, you wouldn't hear me because I wouldn't be here. If no one gave, you wouldn't hear me because there wouldn't be a sound system. If no one, if no one gave, you wouldn't be here because there wouldn't be a seat. And there wouldn't be a building and it wouldn't be air conditioned. And yes, we keep it just frigid enough that you're on the edge of hypothermia, but not there quite yet. And that's just to keep you awake. Also to help your metabolism. You're welcome. But your kids wouldn't be ministered to. There'd be no goldfish. Right? I know someone's like, oh, yes, I know. And it all happens. Just like this This month, we help families who need help with their bills. We have helped single parents who need help with their bills. Uh, Christmas is coming. We do Christmas outreach where we help people have Christmas that can't afford to have Christmas. We've helped clothe the naked, feed the hungry this week through ministry partners in our city. Um, there's, oh man, there's so many things we do. Just in our city alone, we've helped um, uh, young mothers who find themselves pregnant and aren't sure what to do about that. It wasn't planned. We, we help them. Uh, we counsel them towards adoption or keeping the baby, obviously, through ministry partners. We do that kind of thing. I mean, there's so many things that we do. Rehabilitating men who have life-controlling issues. Is, we, we partner. There's so many things that we do in, in our own city, even outside of our church. And then there's things. We help plant churches all over the United States. We're working in Pakistan I mean, you just go on and on and on of, of the different ministries, South, South Africa. I mean, there's just different places. And all of that happens because people give. All that happens. said, so bring your tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse is always the church. Throughout the Bible, storehouse is the church. Why? Because he wants the church to have... Do you understand with all of our ministry partners, I always tell them, if you have a need, email me first. Why? Because I know we have money. Because we store it in a storehouse. Right? because we're a storehouse, which means we should store something. So we have money stored. So when people need ministry, we have it stored. Kind of like, you know, what Daniel did. Does that make sense? And, and we do that. We couldn't do that if people didn't give, if they didn't understand that giving not only changes me, but giving is how we do ministry. It's how we build the kingdom of God. Uh, build, giving is how we build the house of God. Now, I'm going to go a little faster because we got to get finished, okay? Are you ready? Um, I understand, and you understand too, that according to the New Testament, we're the building of God. In fact, Corinthians says that. You are God's building. Peter says we're spiritual stones being built up a spiritual house. You know, Paul told the Corinthians, don't you know you're the temple? And so I understand that we're called, individually, we're called the house of God because the Holy Spirit indwells us. We're called the house of God. But you know, also, Church, what we know as church buildings, are called the house of God. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. He wasn't talking about my house. He was talking about the, the, the temple, the church. He was saying, my church, my place. So he was saying, hey, I'm going to have a house here. And it's going to be known as a place of prayer. And so one of the reasons we build now why do we need buildings? I don't know. Why do we need this one? Because if we didn't have it, you wouldn't be hearing this message right now. We need buildings because they're tools to reach people. That's all they are. The buildings themselves are not holy. What you put in them is holy. The presence of God and the people of God. That's what's holy. Buildings are just buildings. But they are a tool. And the reason we build church buildings, you know why we build church buildings? There again, you know why we do it? God's idea. Isn't that crazy? It's God's idea. God was the one. God had a, you know what? He had a church building in—in uh, in, when the world was first created. It was called Eden. That's where he walked with man in the cool of the day, and then you know what he told Moses, "I need a church building. We'll call it a tabernacle because I need it to be able to be to move around with people, because I always want to have a place wherever they are." And then he said, "Well, now that we're settled in Jerusalem, we'll build a temple." Churches were all churches, places that we meet with God, places that were transformed. Those were always God's idea. We need a place to believe, belong, become, and build. We need it. Um, in Exodus 25 verse, verse 1, this was the, the, the passage that God gave me 15 years ago about this church, when it was time to start the church. And this is what the Lord said. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. This is exactly what we did with Build. Hey, children of Israel bring the Lord an offering. He says, from everyone who gives it willingly. This, this is Because of this verse, it's why, we t- it's why we actually don't take offerings, but we receive them. It's why we don't pass a plate, if you will, because of this verse. What God says is, I want people to give, but I don't want you to take. Because I don't want to give them through compulsion or manipulation. I want them to give because they have a willing heart. So that's why he says, for everyone who gives it willingly, willingly with his heart, they, then you'll take an offering. That's why I said, if you want to give, you can text to give, you can give on the app, you can give in the offering boxes, however you want to do it. If you have a willing heart to give, give. If you don't have a willing heart, that's between you and the Lord. I, this, all. I, it's not something for me to worry about. Y'all got to work that out. Right? No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. You never give a dime. You're welcome here. Right? But he said, and this is the offering you'll take. And then he gives all these different materials, right? Then verse eight, this was the verse that the church was start on. And let them make me a sanctuary. Why God, why do you want us to take an offering and build a building? Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is what God told me that day as I was walking and praying. He said, I want a place to meet with my people. I want a place to dwell together with my people. I want you to build me a place. And I said, yes, sir. Exodus 25, 22, it says this, talking about this place that God meets us. It says, and there I will meet with you and there I will speak with you. This is the reason we gathered here today, just not out of ritual, not out of some dead rigor of religion, if you will. We have gathered here today because we want to meet with God. We've gathered here today because we know if we gather, God will gather and God will meet with us and God will speak with us. And we're hoping, you just, you and me, we're hoping, just like this week I was praying for you and I was praying for the weekend and Milo and I were going around the neighborhood and when I really get fired up, he loves it because he gets a better exercise because if I get real excited praying, we go faster because most of the time this doesn't move fast. <laughs> I'm more saunter. So, But if I get fired up praying, boy, and we're going around the neighborhood and I started praying, Lord, anything is possible when we gather in your house. Anything is possible when we meet in your name. All things are possible because of God, right? And I started praying that verse and then I thought about the all things or the any things, and I thought the anything could be someone gets saved this weekend, that could be the anything. The anything could be a relationship restored, that could be the anything. The, the anything could be someone who struggled with anxiety and depression and God frees them, that could be the anything or the all things, the all things. That could be the thing, right? God could do that thing when we gather in His name, in His house. Jesus said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of them. The reason we build the kingdom of God and build buildings for the kingdom of God is so people can meet with God and hear God and be transformed by God. Amen. That's why we do it. Because God said you need a place together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need a place to gather together because we need a place to believe, belong, become, and build. Now, here's the the last thing I want to tell you. Here's the ice cream. Are you ready for the ice cream? Oh, it's good too. It's a good flavor. It's whatever your favorite flavor is. And if you're lactose intolerant today, you're lactose tolerant because God does miracles, everybody. He does miracles. Here's your ice cream. This, is this, I believe, is a principle from the Word of God that I've seen, and that is this. When we build God's house, God builds our house. When we build God's kingdom, God builds our house. When we build God's house, God builds our house. Let me show you the verse. 2 Samuel 7, verse 11, this is God talking to David. Now, you know David, King David, had put it in his heart to build the temple and he saved up all the money and all the supplies to build the temple, but God didn't let him build the temple. God wanted Solomon to build the temple. And there's a lot of reasons, and we'll just leave it at that, okay? In fact, if you were to put a dollar amount on the material that David saved to build the temple, it would be in the hundreds of billions of dollars. if not just a million, not just a hundred million It was in the hundred, just the gold and silver alone would be two, three hundred million dollars. Not even talking about all the other stuff, right? And so David had it in his heart to build God a house, right? But Solomon ended up being the one. But this is what God says. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and I've caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. This is what he's telling David. He will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with, the, and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. This is what he said. David, because you set your heart to build my house, I'll build your house. Um, Several years ago, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, whenever we first started the campaign for the first part of the building, this was the first $5 million to get the infrastructure and concrete and steel and all that. Um, you know, we were talking about it. At the time, my son, my oldest son, Luke, was 16 years old. And, um, and he was saving money for a car. In my, my system, I have the, the, the 405 straight plan, which is if the kids want a car, they, they save and I match it right? So if they save $5,000, then I would match it $5,000, and they would buy a $10,000 car, you know, that kind of thing. And so Luke was saving his, his money for a car, and he had a significant amount of money. He was getting close to having enough for a car. And we were talking about the, the, bu- the building and build and all that, and, and Luke came to me one Sunday afternoon. He said, Dad, I feel like God wants me to give my car money to the building, and I mean, it's a 16-year-old. I mean, I remember when I was 16, like, give me some, give me my, I want, I need my ride. I got places to be, y'all, right? And he said, I think I'm supposed to do this. Well, I was excited, but I wanted him to, to make sure it was the Lord. I said, why don't we pray a day or two and let's let the Lord confirm it. I just want to make sure it was an emotional impulse that he was being, making a decision led by the Lord. Well, he came back a couple days to dad. I'm praying about it. I still feel like this is what the Lord's feeding. I said, Then, son, give it. So he gave it. We didn't advertise it. It's not like I stood up and said, guess what, you know, in the moment. Um, The other side of that was what I committed to give would have bought him two cars. Just personally, what I committed to give. And and I don't talk about that a lot, but what I was giving was a a large amount of money for me. For you, it may not have been. For me, it was a large amount of money. But it was enough. I could have bought him two cars. Um, so I knew he needed a car, and I knew he was giving away his car money, and I knew I was giving away money. for, In other words, it wasn't any money for a car. That's what I'm trying to say, right? It wasn't like old oh, dad just go cut a check now. But he gave it. And I gave what I was going to give. It was about a week later, I get a call. Someone that that I knew said, "Hey, does Luke have a car?" yet? And I said, no, I don't think they knew any of this, as far as I know. We'd like to give him a car. I said, well, I'm sure he would just be thrilled, and so would I. What a blessing. They gave him a very nice car. You know, about a year later, he totaled that car when a deer jumped out in front of him. And then someone else said, hey, does Luke need a car? We'd like to give him a car. I'm like, This boy has not been driving two years and had two cars given to him favor ain't fair somebody now hold on because I'm gonna relate that to something else because cars are cool I was so appreciated for that but but the promise is you build God's house he'll build your house so most of you know Luke is at Arizona State he wants to pursue he's pursuing a master's and potentially a doctorate in um, counseling he wants to be a counselor and um, which I think is great for him but When he told me, Dad, I've decided to go to Arizona State University, I was like, thought about a Christian college? Because I know to some degree what, you know, let's just say I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Arizona State University is, I would say with all confidence, by and large is more liberal than my conservative beliefs in a lot of areas. I think it might be a safe way. It's not Letourneau, y'all. That's what I'm saying. Come on, come on, Yellow Jackets. Where are you at? You know what I'm saying? It's not that. You understand? And, and I was worried. I'm like, man, he's going to be, you know, 1,200 miles away from home at a state school with, I'm sure, people that are teaching that do not have my Judeo-Christian values. And I was worried, and I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you called this boy to serve you. He is a gift from you, and his earthly daddy is worried. And God took me back to that offering, and he said, don't you worry, because I have his heart. Yes, sir. Well, I took him out there. We drove across Texas for eight days. (laughs) And um, (laughs) we're driving out there. He's like, Dad, Texas is big. I'm like, it is, son. Everything's bigger and better in Texas. Amen. Um, but I was talking to him after his first week there, and I was just talking with him, and he said, Hey, Dad. I said, How's things going? He said, Hey, I, I called him on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we were talking, and he said, Hey, Dad, I went to a church today. I'm like, Oh, awesome. He said, Yeah, there are three or four churches that I've heard about that I really want to try before I decide which one is mine. Now, I didn't tell him he had to go to church. He's 20 years old. You can't make a 20-year-old go to church, especially when he's 1,200 miles away. But he went to church, and I was like, praise God. And then next conversation, he finally found the church that he's like, I, I like this church, Dad. And it was one, Brittany, who works on our staff, had directed him. She sent him a message, and, and, and so he went. He really connected there. And and I was like, oh, okay, found church. Lord, just want to go to church. Well, this last week I'd been preparing this message and I knew about this point. I wasn't going to tell this story until this last week because I called him and I was talking to him. And he said, Dad, i got to go. I said, where are you going? He said, I've got to get to small group, Dad, my church. I joined a small group at my church. I've been a couple times. I really like it. It's an all-guys small group, young adults, guys my age. And he said, I can't wait to get there. i got to go to small group, so i got to let you go. And immediately what I heard was, you build my house, son. I'll build yours. <laughs> I want you to know. God's created you. You were made for this. You were made to build the kingdom. Praying, serving, building, praying, serving, giving. You were made to build the kingdom. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. If we'll get busy building his kingdom, he'll build our houses. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Yeah, you can give God praise. Like Somebody's got to start the slow clap, everybody. Come on now. <laughs> I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And we end all of our worship experience with a time of prayer for anyone who needs prayer for anything. We'd love to pray with you. But well, let's just bow our heads and take a moment. God, we just thank you so much for your grace, for your goodness. God, for being in your house, for having a place to meet with you. God, I pray everyone today would hear your voice. And Lord, as we just bow our heads for a moment and pray and ask you to speak to us, God, speak to everyone. Speak to us what you would have us to hear. Would you take a moment and just ask God, what is he saying to you? Just take a moment, just bow your head and say, God, what are you saying to me today? What do you want me to hear today from you? And it may be about the message. It may be about something else. But what do you want me to say? What do you want to say to me today? And God, I pray you would speak to everyone. Meet with everyone as you said you would in your word. And Lord, as our heads are bowed and not looking around, God, I just pray if there's anyone in this room that needs a relationship with you, that today would be the day. God, whether they've never had a relationship with you or whether maybe they just feel far away from you, God, if they've never been forgiven, they've never been saved, God, I just pray you would draw them to you. And and right now, no one's looking around. We're all just asking God to speak to us. But if there's just anyone in this room, anyone watching online who needs a relationship with Jesus, like you feel far away, you need to be forgiven. Whatever the case may be, you you, you wanna come and be close to God, have a good relationship with God, have a real relationship with God, hearing him, speaking to him, living with him. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out in any way. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand in just a minute. No one else is going to be looking around. And you're not lifting your hand for me. You're lifting it for God. Just to say, God, here I am. I want a relationship with you. It's just a kind of an act of faith to say, God, this is me. This is what I want. And so no one's really looking around at all. But if that's you and you're like, I need a relationship with God. I, I need to be forgiven. Or I want to know him. I want to be close to him. Maybe I know that I'm not living for him, but I want to live for him, whatever it is. Now I want to pray for you. So no one's looking around if that's you. I just want you right now, just lift your hand up to God. Say, God, here I am, here I am. Yeah, God bless you, thank you. Yeah, God bless you, thank you. Awesome, so proud, celebrating with you. you. If you lifted your hand, The Bible says that we would believe God in our heart and we confess him with our mouth that Jesus, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. And so that's what we're gonna do. The prayer, all the words are not that important. It's the heart, it's the confession. But if you lifted your hand, you, you would just pray something like this. You'd say, God, I believe you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and rose again for me. And I ask you, God, forgive me And make me a new person, a new creation, as your word says. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. God, I pray as they prayed that prayer, God, you have transformed them and changed them. And God, I pray as your word says, your spirit would bear witness with our spirit that we're sons or daughters of God. I pray right now, God, you would reveal yourself to them. Speak to them. Help them to know how close you are, how much you love them. And, Lord, I just pray you would guide them and help them to follow you the rest of their lives. God, for all of us, Lord, we want to build your kingdom. Lord, it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding. God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do in and through our lives as we build with you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise one more time in the house of God today? Amen. Listen, if you lifted your hand, we would love for you to come and let us just encourage you. We also have some things for you. We want to stand with you. But if you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love for you to come. Everyone else, we say a big God bless you. We love you so much, and we will see you next weekend.